0: This is your host, Silas Dean, and this is a Creep Time original podcast, The Sinister. So make sure to go check out Creep Time, the podcast, right after this show. (laughs) Well, you can't trust County. I gotta be honest, it is so difficult for me to describe what this story kind of does to me and how this makes me feel. It's just, it's very unnerving and it's probably one of the most gruesome stories I think I've looked at of familial abuse and neglect, but really what's kind of mind-boggling to me about it is that nobody ever checked on this girl. It's difficult to understand, you know, how a family could neglect somebody for so long and put them in this situation, especially when they were physically in need. But again, that goes back to my point, why did nobody do a wellness check on this girl? I mean, after year one of saying, oh, we haven't seen her, year two, we haven't seen her, five plus years, we have not seen her, does anybody think to check? So I want to thank everybody who did request the story of Lacey Fletcher, because it is like nothing I have ever heard. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Sinister with Silas. I'm your host, Silas Dean, and every week I come right on here. I hang out with you right after an episode of Creep Time, the podcast, and I cover the eeriest stories that I know. So please follow and subscribe to the podcast and turn on the bell notification so that you never have to miss an episode. And I would also appreciate a review and if you could share the podcast to help support the stories of The Sinister. Thanks again for stopping by. And with that, let's get into the story. So I think a good place where we can start is maybe just to go through some of the backstory of Lacey and a little bit about her condition. So everybody has full context as to what the setup of this is. So Lacey Ellen Fletcher, she was from Louisiana. She was actually from a small town called Slaughter, which I think is like, it's something like 30 minutes north. It's it's not too far from Baton Rouge. But I do think it's important that we really paint the picture here of just how small Slaughter is. Because I didn't know. I mean, I think everybody has an idea of, oh, it's a small town. No, this is like a thousand people small. So again, that goes back to my original point where I'm like, okay, well, if it's kind of a situation where everybody knows everybody, you know your neighbors. How was nobody questioning where this girl went? Because we would come to learn Nobody had seen her for 15 years by the time this gets uncovered. So if we kind of backtrack into the story a little bit, Lacey was the daughter of Clay and Sheila Fletcher, right? And they were very well known in this community, as was she, because they were continuing to go to church. They were involved in their community activities. Lacey was in school. But around this age, she was already diagnosed with autism. Now, because of this, by the time she was 14, 15, things had sort of shifted where she was becoming a little more socially isolated. Her friends were sort of moving on to teenage interests, and Lacey was sort of stuck in this place where she was still interested in things that maybe a child would be interested in, you know, or a little girl. So because of that, Lacey was sort of removed from school. She was no longer a part of her social groups. She was removed from the volleyball team. She would still attend church for a little bit. But technically, this is when she's, I think, pulled back from the community. What's going on inside that home? We don't exactly know, but what we do know is that Lacey was last seen when she was 21 years old. And I gotta say, it's devastating to think about this story in hindsight. You know, when I look at it in retrospect, it's sad to think that everybody who kind of knew her, even when she was a little girl, and they would say that she was sweet, you know, she was so smart, she was very, you know, outgoing, but just getting older. And that isolation with people maybe in that community, in a small town, who didn't understand her, they didn't understand her particular type of autism, it really just pushed her out to the fringes and so sadly into the hands of these parents who would not care for her, even further than that, who abused her. And what I found kind of shocking while doing the research on this story is just how little inquiry there was into Lacey, it kind of sounds like almost nobody in this town was really prying into the parents. There were a few neighbors, a few friends, specifically of Clay that I saw who kind of asked, you know, you know, where's Lacey? We haven't seen Lacey out in a while. Is she still doing okay? They knew that she, they would always refer to her having a condition, which again is very ambiguous and not really telling a story of anything. I mean, you can't really tell like what somebody's physical or mental capacity is based on a condition as they said. But according to them, Clay would just kind of change the subject. He never actually said, you know, she's not doing well or she's off over here. He just sort of said, yeah, she's around and then would switch over and nobody second guessed it ever. So when this all becomes apparent in 2022, you can imagine the horror of this community. It was on January 3rd, 2022 at around 2 in the morning when Sheila, her mother, had made a call to 911, claiming her daughter was no longer breathing. There is some evidence to suggest that Sheila was pushed into making this call and did not make it very fast. In fact, by the time they get there, they would find that Lacey Fletcher had most likely been dead between 24 to 48 hours. But the things this coroner and these deputies would find inside this home was unbelievable. Imaginable. Upon entering the home, Lacey Fletcher was found on the couch in a cross legged position. She was only wearing a blue checkered top. She had her lip curled up over her teeth, and she had been dead for roughly around two days, they want to say, from the state of decomposition. The state that her body was in was so gruesome, even the coroner, this is a veteran level coroner, could not stomach to look at the corpse. Lacey was covered from head to toe in her own waist on that couch that she was found. She was insect infested, bites all over her body. She had open bed sores, insects all inside of her. It was so gruesome. There was so much bodily fluid that was kind of leaking out of her. She was partially fused to the couch. This is their description. This is real. Her hair had been almost completely matted into like one solid block. And from the initial investigation of just what this this girl looked like, you know, how this body was placed like this and why it was in such a state, she had not moved from that couch in 15 years, they think. 15 years in the same position, just consistently going to the bathroom on herself. And her parents knew and bore witness to it the entire time. I know this is incredibly difficult to comprehend. It's so hard to even read through it. But really what I should backtrack to is what she actually died from. So from what the coroner found and what the autopsy would show is that Lacey died from sepsis. But she had a whole host of other things that were going on because of this confinement to the couch. She was about 96 pounds. She was extremely malnourished. She had bone infections. She had respiratory infections. She had open sores all over her body. I mean, she was so medically neglected. It was immediately clear from the coroner's findings. This was a homicide on behalf of her parents. They neglected her and left her in this state, on this couch, in their home for over a decade. It is so hard for me to wrap my mind around the horror of that. So that is the shock of what they found, this corpse in this home, in this state and this dark, dark family secret they had been harboring for these years. But the question is, how did she enter this state? You know, why was she immobile and confined to the couch? And why did these parents never do a thing to help her? So a further investigation into Lacey's case would show that the parents would admit that she was suffering from what most doctors believe was locked-in syndrome. This is a very rare neurological disorder and it is not widely understood. But effectively, Lacey was paralyzed almost from the head down. The only thing she had real control over were her eyes. I mean, this was a medical condition she was suffering from in complete secrecy. The only people who knew about this were her family, and for whatever reason, they decided to keep it a secret and did not care for her. They left her in this state, but clearly, they were feeding her. You know what I mean? Like, she would have died so much earlier, like, years earlier if they were starving her, but she was extremely malnourished. It's just the whole thing did not make sense. It's just hard for me to wrap my mind around. So I'm trying to think to myself, I'm like, who are these people? You know, like, what kind of parents? would allow their daughter to fall into this state. She can't move. She can't speak. She had not seen a doctor in over 20 years, which is insane to me. But clearly in my mind, I was thinking, I'm like, I mean, they must have been monsters. That house must have been hell. When police came to the house, the only thing that was really out of sorts or what seemed odd about the situation was Lacey and this couch that she was fused to. Everything else in the house was very normal very neat. And I was like, who are the, you know, what are their jobs? Like, what do they do? These parents, I think Sheila, she worked as like a county clerk and the father worked for a nonprofit. Like the whole, they're just so kind of oddly normal at the surface. And what was strange was that their colleagues didn't even know that they had a daughter. Again, she was like a dirty secret who was living in this home, just in this state for years So Lacey is officially dead as a 36-year-old woman. The parents had been arrested. They were somehow able to post bond. I think it was something like $300,000 each. But then eventually, they are brought in front of a grand jury in which hundreds of crime scene photos are presented. This was completely closed to the press. Nobody has seen this except for the grand jury and those in the investigation. There are a few photos that were released to the tabloids and to the press that showed a shocking display of what the couch looked like, but no one has actually seen the state of her body. To their description and what their initial defense was before they had posted their bonds was that Lacey was of sound mind. That's what's kind of mind-boggling about it is that they claim she refused to leave the couch once she was in locked-in syndrome. She would not leave the couch. She would not allow them to take her to the bathroom. I just, none of that makes sense to me. It sounds like a complete Bull defense, because if anybody knows anything about locked in syndrome at the surface level, you cannot speak. You cannot move. In what world is she putting up a fuss if you're trying to take her to the doctor, take her to the bathroom, wash her? She's completely paralyzed. They were just neglecting her. I just, my initial instinct is that they allowed this to get to a point where they were severely neglecting their daughter and the secret had gotten so bad and her wounds had gotten so bad that they were very aware that it was past the point where they could not take this to a doctor or a hospital because they would be charged with neglect because people would have questions. Why is she covered in filth? Why are her bed sores so bad? Why is she bug infested? That's the other thing I can't get over. Bugs all over her body. I mean, in her hair, in her wounds. And this is in the middle of this like picturesque suburban home. Like, it, it's as if like th- they've contained the secret and they're almost like willing to live with it in this tiny corner of the house. It's such a dark scenario. And the other thing that I found so disturbing about this is that at the time Lacey died, allegedly the parents were out of town, had taken a trip. And left her there. They returned to find her dead. And if I'm not mistaken, somebody, possibly a neighbor, had walked by and saw a glimpse of her through the window on the couch and called Sheila and said, You need to call the police. There's something, I don't know what's happening in your home and with your daughter, but you need to call the police. Could you imagine walking by a window and seeing that, seeing that a corpse in that state? I mean, even the coroner, when he first went into the home, this is someone who deals with death on a daily basis. He said, in a quote, he walked in and had to turn around to vomit in the front lawn. It was that gruesome. Now, initially, what kind of disturbed me about some of the court proceedings about this is that the initial murder charge was actually dropped. And I was trying to understand why. And I think the strategy here from, I'm not sure if it's from the grand jury or from the district attorney who's sort of spearheading this, but negligent homicide actually holds a sentencing somewhere between zero to five years. So I think manslaughter is somewhere around 40 years. And then I think second degree murder can actually be life in prison. So the strategy, I think, was to drop the initial charge, which might have you know been categorized as negligent homicide. But this is clearly much more grisly, much more gruesome and devastating and disturbing. So I think what they're looking to do is let them go on their bonds, $300,000, and then when the trial does begin, they will go for the second-degree murder charge. They are going to try to go for life in prison for these parents, as they should. It's just, it's very, it's impossible for me to imagine, like, what was going through their minds, and I almost start to wonder if they had the intention to eventually kill her. You know, I'm not really sure what the end game of it was or like what would have happened if that neighbor hadn't seen her and called Sheila and said, you have to call the police. Because clearly, even so, after she returned, I mean, it was 24 to 48 hours before they actually made the call. What would they have done with Lacey's body? Nobody was questioning it. Nobody was looking for her. Nobody had seen her in 15 years. So I just can't really imagine it was something anybody would come knocking for, right? It's kind of wild because on Creep Time we just covered, you know, the Gypsy Rose Blanchard case not too long ago, so we took a bit of a deep dive into Munchausen's by proxy and Munchausen's at large, but this almost seemed to me like, I almost feel like there's a term for it that's the opposite of Munchausen's by proxy. It's, of course, medical neglect. It's neglect of a child, but it it seems highly specific. It's almost like deep narcissism or like joint denial or something. They must have been in some form of denial to be living with this sort of their child, like living in this state on their couch. And what's odd about it is they also described that there were, you know, various kind of products that were around her body, right? They had towels, there were wipes, there were like powders, which would suggest they were partially caring for her. I'm, I'm very confused by that. Like, okay, well, they're either letting her sit there in her own waist and she's covered head to toe in insects. And they see that, Or they're cleaning her, they're wiping her, they're putting powder on her wounds. Like, I just don't know where their line of reality kind of was. Like, what were they thinking through all of it? And the reason I kind of touched upon, you know, was there this larger plan at play where they were hoping that one day Lacey would just die? You know, she would just naturally die. Clearly, they were severely underfeeding her. They must have known she was on the brink of starvation because she was. It was actually part of what contributed to her overall death. But it also suggested to me from them going out of town that they were still very much living their lives and that whatever Lacey's condition was, whatever state she was living in on that couch, it was not really affecting them whatsoever. I mean, it was beyond neglect. It was out of sight, out of mind for them at times. That's what's disturbing. I know that this is a tricky case to cover. I mean, it's incredibly gruesome, but. It's still very early. We're still waiting on some of the results of what this investigation will look like, what the trial is going to look like, what these parents are doing today. I mean, this was completely shocking for the community. Most people didn't even know they had a daughter, let alone could they imagine that these two, these two people who were an integral part of the community, a part of the church, were doing this for over 10 years. I'm very happy to continue to cover this story. I think I want to take a look at it again down the line, but I would really like to look at this post-trial because I I know this will be closed off to the public, but I think it's going to be very interesting what does leak to the press about this scenario because I almost feel like we don't have all of the pieces. There is something missing. There is some missing link in all of this story that's not adding up for me. I just can't imagine that. a a girl that was, you know, kind of living a semi-normal life and she was in school and then her parents took her back home and they were homeschooling her, suddenly at 21 is just neglected this bad. It does not make sense. But I want to thank you to those who did request the case. I know this is a tough case to cover. Definitely something that's worthy for the sinister. It's This is where we cover the dark ones. But Thank you again for listening. We are going to follow up on this story. I'm going to post a little bit more about it on Reddit too. Um, If you guys want to go check that out on the Creep Time Reddit to see if any, you know, pictures or articles on this might be relevant for listening through to the case. And with that, I'm going to catch you guys on the next one. Bye.